Okay, let's bow our heads. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, um, I'm going to open your word again. Um, and I just thank you for bringing us here. I just pray that as we get into the book of Acts um, a little bit deeper, I just pray that you can be with us and prepare our hearts. Help us to understand that this is um, actually your word and how um, amazing it is that we can spend some more time with you. So thank you for that privilege. Um, and please be with us in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. So, um, Acts. I'm not sure how many of you were um, here a couple of weeks ago when we did um, the first couple of chapters, but we're going to be jumping to Acts chapter 5. So, Acts chapter 5, um, and just to give a little recap on where we are in Acts. So, um, what happens right at the start of the book? Everyone knows? Start of Acts. Where, where do we meet? Where do we meet the story? Where do we pick up the story? Um, Jesus's ascension. Cool, Jesus's ascension, right? So the disciples have like he's died, resurrected, spending some time with the disciples, and then Jesus goes and um he leaves them, he, he gives them the commission, and then he leaves to be with the Father, right? So he goes up into the sky, um, and we discussed what the uh, last couple of weeks ago, we discussed what happened to the disciples afterwards. So they replaced Judas, um, and then um, the day of Pentecost happens. So they go into the upper room, and they spend some time in there, they pray, they confess their thoughts one to another, they're um, what we hear in one accord. We spoke about that in a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and this amazing thing happens where the Holy Spirit comes um, and they speak in tongues and Peter preaches and thousands are baptized. Right. And um, it talks about, you know, people getting added daily to the church as um, the Lord brought them. Right? So this feels like an amazing movement is happening. What um. I've, I've written down five things that kind of characterized the early church at this point, right? So the early church has literally just started. Um, the term Christians hasn't even been coined yet. Um, and so we're right at the start of this thing. What kind of things characterize the people at this point? Is this after the ascension, yeah? Yeah, so after the ascension, mm-hmm. you've got the, the disciples and, you know, the, the maybe 3,000 they've baptised and, you know, new Christians are being added to the church daily. Yeah. Um, they're still around Jerusalem. Um, but how would you characterise these people at this point? As and it's Jews? Like, as Jew, but in terms of, like, their characteristics, in terms of what, what the church... If you're going to look at the church now... And oh, right. characteristics you may say you know um the sabbath is is a big part of our of our doctrine you may talk mm-hmm. about 
um, different things, right? The fact that we do communion and all, all the rest of the things. What, what do you think the main characteristics of the early church were at this point? Baptism? Um, but baptism into what? Because baptism is, is loosely there, but um, yeah. what exactly? Is it, what, what does baptism mean? Like being reborn of 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 flesh and the spirit in it. Okay, so if you're being reborn, what what is the doctrine that they're preaching? So like death to self and like just renewing life within Jesus. Okay. That's, but okay, so if if they're trying to baptize people, if you're gonna go baptize someone, yeah. what have they just accepted? Christ as Savior. Christ as Savior, right? Which means they would have accepted the fact that Jesus did what? Died for our sins died and then did what i rose again rose again right so the the main doctrine that the early church was um was preaching yeah. and you know this is one of their main characteristics their main doctrine was jesus both died and resurrected right mm. death the death and resurrection of jesus was all they were talking about this is all they preached about this is all they taught people about was the death and resurrection of jesus right this is all people had to accept. That's why they all came together, death and resurrection, death and resurrection. Um, and so, I mean, we can see that in, um, if you go to Acts chapter 3, verses 18 to 20, if someone wants to read that. What was it again? Sorry, what verse? Uh, Acts chapter 3, verses 18 to 20. I'm not sorry, that actually. Yeah. Okay. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Um, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Cool. So this is an example of the kind of messages they're preaching, right? You know, forgiveness of your sins is, um, is, is available because Jesus died and you can become a new person because Jesus rose, right? And so this is, and you know, you, know, you can go to heaven because Jesus has done what he did for you. And this is, was, this is what they're preaching. This is what was um, moving so quickly, right? What, what, what else was um, a characteristic of the early church? So one is the doctrine of Jesus' death and resurrection. Well, wow. we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and probably even the week before that. Probably um, is returning to, to get us back to heaven. Um. Not that he was returning, that wasn't necessarily a, a cornerstone of, I mean, that was, that was part of it, clearly, but that wasn't a cornerstone of the, of the early church. 
don't necessarily think about doctrines. Think about characteristics of that church. Like, if you went to that church, what would you what would you see? And church is people, right? So, what kind of what, what's happening with the people? Um, the early church grew quite rapidly, I guess. They were passionate cool. about sharing, yeah, sharing the gospel and evangelism, I guess. Perfect. So, growth is is another one. Fantastic, right? So if someone could read um, Acts 2.47. Acts what, sorry? Uh, chapter 2.47. Verse 47. Praising God and having favour with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Great, right? Cool. So the Lord added daily, such as should be saved. So another characteristic of the early church is that it's growing. And you hear about this, again, from chapters two to chapters four, you hear about preaching. You know, we, we already spoke about Peter's preaching and the fact that 3,000 were baptised. Later on, it talks about the church growing again. That's another characteristic of the early church is growing rapidly. All right, what else? We've got three more to get through. Anyone? All right, let's go to a text and then you can you can pick it out from there. So um still in Acts chapter two, verses 45. Someone just read that. Acts 2 45. Yeah. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men and need. So what characteristic do we see there? Can we say it's like loving? Loving, okay, but more pra- like more practically in terms of what exactly was happening. Oh, um, like generous, being generous. Generosity, right? So material generosity. People are happy to sell their houses and share it with the community, right? A lot of um, a lot of the jobs around Jerusalem would have been associated with the temple, temple work, um, and things of that nature, right? Everything would have been that. That was like the center of the economy. So if you are moving away from that system, if you are moving to a separate thing, then, you know, likely many of them may have lost their jobs, may have been alienated by people. And so, you know, those who didn't have, because of that, other people would sell their property, help them out. So everyone had what they needed because of this material generosity. Everyone had, it talks about everyone having all things in common, right? And so what's mine is yours mentality. Mikasa, Sukasa, that kind of thing, right? So, um, and they're meeting each other's houses and X, Y, Z, right? So, um, so material generosity, what's mine is yours. Another characteristic. Okay, um, we, have, we have two left. What is Acts? What, let me give you a clue. What is Acts about? Holy Spirit, maybe? The Holy Spirit, right? Fantastic, right? The Holy Spirit was an integral part of everything that happens in Acts, especially with the early church. Um, and, you know, I could give you several texts for this, but um, 
one here is um, in chapter. Should I just see this? Oh, um, yes, uh, chapter thirty-eight of um, Acts two. It says, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, right? So Peter is saying, part of you becoming part of this church is that you get your remission of sins, right? You accept the name of Jesus, you get your remission of sins and then you receive this gift of the Holy Ghost. And so all of the people within um, the early church the Holy Ghost was driving everything. That's why it was growing. That's why they had the doctrine. We talked spoke weeks ago about the point of the Holy um, the Holy Ghost, the point of the Holy Spirit was to point to Jesus. And so that is why their main doctrine was Jesus' death and resurrection, right? And there's one last one, um, one of the characteristics of the early church. Is it that they like they were they were travelled quite a lot? Um, not quite yet, actually. They hadn't started. They hadn't dispersed um, just yet. That's um, a little bit later in Acts. Um, we let's let's go to um, Acts chapter four, verses twenty I got it. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Okay, what are they doing there? Uh, praising God. Praising in the form of what? Like worship. Okay, well, uh, if you're lifting your voice to God, what are you doing? Oh, like you're actually like vocalizing that you're shouting. Or, well, maybe not shouting, but. You're, but you're, talk, you're talking to God, right? Directly. Yeah. Right. And what we do? What do we call that? Praying. Prayer. Right. Prayer. Mm. Another thing. A, a big. A, another big characteristic of the early church, right, is prayer. Um, we see that in in Acts chapter two, um, forty two as well. It says they continue steadfastly as apostles, um, with the apostles' doctrine, which we know what that is, and fellowship, in um, breaking bread and in prayers. Right. That's where the um, they started in the upper room they were praying and that's when the Holy Spirit first came so prayer is another big integral thing of the early church so guys we hear this we're, we're up to chapter four right we're about to start chapter five everything sounds good right things are going yep. well doctrine is good people are praying they're sharing with one another um, you know is gro growing daily um, you know, miracles are happening, like think like people speaking in tongues and all this kind of stuff, right? This is what we hear up to um, in in up to chapter four of Acts. What was the first word of uh, of um, verse one, chapter five? Uh, but, but, right? What does but mean? Means there's something else to come that's probably a bit different to the to the um, kind of the essence of what came before. Cool, right? Something's about to contradict. Something's about to go against what happened before. So when we speak about um, 
you know, the characters, the, you know, the great prayer, the fellowship, the Holy Spirit, the, um, the growth, etc., etc. right? Then it says, but, right? Even if we, let's read um, verses 32 to 37 of, um, of Acts chapter four, just to lead, give you the lead up to, the, to verse one. If we could have a couple of readers um, from verse 32 up to the end of the chapter, verse chapter four. So starting from verse 32 of chapter 4? Yeah. Okay. I'll do two verses and then somebody else can carry on. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimonies to the, to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and that great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and bought the prices and bought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Anyone else from verse 36? And Jose, who by the apostle was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and bought the money and laid it at the feet of the apostles. Great, right? So, so we get this, right? Everyone is selling things, giving it to the greater good, and they're preaching the word. Everything is good, and then it says but. Does anyone know what um, the title of today's study was? Pothole? Pothole, right? What's a pothole? It's a little dip in the ground on the road. It's a little dip in the ground. It's a little bit more than a dip. All right, oh. what was a pothole? It's a big old hole in the ground. That doesn't have to be that deep, but you know, you could you, when you're driving over it, bump your car. Cool, right? A pothole is that thing in the road where um, where the ground of the tarmac or whatever the road is is given way, and there's like a, now a hole in the road. And if you're a driver, you try to avoid potholes, but if you drive over one, it could puncture your tire, right? And so this is what we're about to hear, right? Everything is going smoothly. They're driving down this road and we're about to hit a pothole, right? That's what the but says. It says everything's going smoothly. Everyone's selling their land, et cetera. So for you to go and sell your house, right? You've got to be pretty convicted. For you to sell, look, where I actually live, where my family is, I'm selling it. And I'm going to give all of it to this thing. You're pretty convicted at that point. You're 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 committed to the cause at that point, right? So there's not any hairy fairy things that are going on with the early church, right? These people are like these people are for it. These people are for it. So if you're so they're selling their houses, they're saying, "Look, you take this. I'm gonna." The guy sold his house and laid it at the um, at the apostles' feet, right? Saying, "Do that what you need to do with it." Right, and then it says, "But," all right, let's go for the pothole. So um, from verse one, if you want to read. 
And we're going to read up to verse um, 11. We can go through the whole thing. So um, chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 11. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds, and only brought a part of it, and laid it at the apostles at the apostles' feet. Verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing against um, this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Verse 5, and Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost, and great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, and carried him out, and buried him. Verse 7. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that ye have agreed together to... Uh, yeah, sorry. Then Peter said unto her, how is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her in by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. Great. So there's our pothole, right? So what happened? So I'm going through the story quickly. So Ananias and his wife, they sold their own property. Yeah. Um, but they decided they would keep some of it, some of the, the earnings from that for themselves. Until... Cool. All right, let's stop, let's stop there, right? right? Okay. Do you think anything is wrong with that bit? Ananias and Sapphira sold their land and they said, you know what, we're not going to give all of the land. We're going to hold a little bit back. If, it, if the story stopped there, would there be a problem? Mm, I, I I don't think really so. So far, not so really. I mean, comparing right. it to everybody else, you know, and everyone else is giving their everything. But so far, I don't think you can really fault them at, at that point. I agree. I agree, right? At this point, if they just said, look, we're going to sell the house, but we need a little bit to live on. You know, maybe I've got another responsibility. Maybe whatever the reason is that you want to keep it back. Look, I'm going to give you half of it. I'm going to give you whatever percentage. Um, and that's what I'm pledging. 
but we need to keep X, Y, Z for this, right? If they said that, I don't think there would be a problem. And the and fire definitely wouldn't be dead, right? So let's continue. What else happens then? I'm sorry, you can continue. Oh, um, but they told the the people that that was all of it. So they kept cool. them, they kept part of it, but they told them that they gave all. Cool. So here's the problem, right? Here's the problem. So they sold it, they kept a part of it, but they went to Peter and said, here's the, here's the money from the house. Right? Why do you think they did that? They didn't want to stand out as people who hadn't given everything. Didn't want to stand out for for people who hadn't given everything. What what what? Why else would be a motivation? Because not everyone sold their house, right? Because we t- we hear later about they met in people's houses. So if so people had houses to house people. So so if they didn't want to stand out, they didn't have to sell the house in the first place, right? So 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 what was the real what what was part of the reason why they did this? Well, they wanted they wanted extra they wanted the credit for kind of. I it, being the people that gave to the cause, they wanted the the kudos or whatever you want to call it, the kind of the image of giving to the church. Cool, right? So they wanted they wanted to be able to walk out of the thing, and say, "Yep, I gave my house. Yeah, my house. You see, you see all these people. Yeah, I I'm the one who who helps you guys walk out there with your chest held high, right?" That's what they wanted. That was their motivation for giving, right? The motivation for giving was that, you know what, God wants me to give this, and so I'm going to give it because I love God. It's not, oh, um, you know, God saved me. I heard the, the message of the death and resurrection. Jesus did all that for me. You know what? I'm happy to give up my house. That's not what it was. It was I saw my man sell his house, and everyone was happy, and everyone patted him on the back. I want that. Let's sell our house. But as they're selling the house, I don't even think they really thought about it until they got the money for the house in their hand. At that point, they thought, ooh, this is quite a lot of money, you know? Maybe it was even more than they expected to get from the sale of the house. I don't know. And they thought, you know what? Nah, they don't need all of this. Let's just keep a little bit back. Let's keep some back. We can do X, Y, Z with it. Um, This is our security just in case this whole movement doesn't really pan out. Um, And will tell Peter and the rest of the disciples that this was the whole thing, right? So what happens after the, the um, what happens after Ananias tells Peter that this is the price of the whole thing? He dies, isn't it? Okay, before he dies, what does Peter say? Oh, he said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie and keep 
and lie to the Holy Spirit and keep part of it for yourself. And then I think what he kind of says in verse four, yeah, is what he kind of says is like, it's kind of like assigning him uh, accountability for it. He's just like, you know, before you sold this thing, was it not all yours? Like you had ample time to enjoy like ownership of whatever it was. And after you sold it, it's not like someone forced your hand to not give all, like he's kind of saying to him, he's like, you, you chose to do this. Um, and he's asking, why have you, why have you done this kind of thing? And he's kind of pointing out, like, there's no getting out of this. You purposed in your heart to go and do this thing. So, yeah. Exactly right. He's saying, while the house is yours, you lived in it. No one told you to sell it. Number one. No one pressured you to sell anything. You told me you were going to sell the house. I didn't come to you, right? Not only that, but once you sold the house, you could have come to me and said, look, I've sold my house, here's half. Could have said that. While the money was yours, it was for you to do what you wanted to with. No one came to you and said, right, give me all of your money. No one said that. You came and laid the thing at my feet and said that it was all of it when it wasn't. And then, and then what does he say? He, he says, why has the devil conceived this thing in your heart? What does that, what does that tell you about the, the nature of giving? It says, why has thou conceived this thing in thine heart? What, what, what does that tell you, tell us about, like, the nature of giving, yeah? I just want to ask you, you asked the question again. Um, it, in verse four, right, it says, why has thou conceived this thing in thine heart? That's Peter talking to Ananias. After yeah. he is clocked that he's lied, he said, why have you, why have you created this, this lie, this deception in your heart? Mm. What does that tell us about the nature of giving? That what, maybe that it comes from the heart comes from the heart right Tyler I would say it's an, it's an act of faith and it's like against your natural nature cool right it's a it's an it's an act of faith and it comes from the heart God, God doesn't really need the whole price of Ananias's house in fact God doesn't need any of the price of Ananias's house what he needs or what he wants is Ananias's heart right so the, the, the actual material action, the actual money itself, I mean, what, we, we, we read God has a cattle on a thousand hills. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not really one house isn't going to do too much for God. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not the issue. What God would love is that Ananias actually loved him and so was happy to give all of his house or at least genuine enough to say, you know what, here's half. If he in his heart said, you know what, I'm going to give half to the Lord of my house, that's, that's good. God would love that sacrifice. God doesn't, he doesn't, you know, we, we've, we've talked about tithe before, but free will offering, there is no commandment about free will offering. There's no, this is how much you need to give. It is give as much as you feel like you want to based on your love for God, right? And so if he had said, look, I love God and therefore I'm going to give half of the proceeds of my house, it would have been calm. Because it's not about how much you give, it's about the heart in which you give it, right? Cool. 
So, what happens? As Imhotep says, what happens to Ananias? As soon as Peter st- st- um, stops talking. He fell down and died. Fell down and died. Right? Who thinks this is harsh? Just a tad bit. Bit harsh. Why do you think it's harsh? Hmm. I'm not too sure, but I just think it is a little bit. <laughs> it sounds harsh because it's not like he killed somebody. You know what I mean? Like in today's law, you know, the sense that if you kill someone, it's a greater sentence than if you rob a bank. So it seems harsh that he died. But ultimately, I think the main thing is that it was a sin. So he was punished for the sin. Cool, cool, cool. Right. So because in our minds we we um we like to um what's the word? You know, section sins as worse than others. We like to judge sins as worse than others. Um, we think that because he he told a lie, right? He was hypocritical. He was to be. He was trying to be something he wasn't. But it feels like him just dropping down dead right then was a bit harsh, right? Because like maybe if he killed someone in the early church, maybe if it was like a Cain thing, um, and Cain. You know, if someone hit some another brother over the head with a stone or something, maybe then God let him drop dead. You'd be thinking, yeah, okay, that, that kind of makes more sense. But I mean, he gave some of his house. I mean, you know, he he deserved to die for that. So it sounds a bit harsh, right? It sounds a bit harsh. Let's let's continue. We'll we'll come back to that um, point in a minute. What what happens after the guy dies? The, they come, they wrap him up and they take him out to bury him and then they come to ask his wife. Cool, what do they ask his wife? Uh, they're Asa basically the double checking. Uh, go ahead, Asa. Oh, they ask the, the, they basically confirm the price of the house. Cool, so they Peter says. Yeah, cool. So Peter says, "Oh, uh, Sapphira, Mrs. Mrs. Ananias, did you, did you uh, what what was the price of the house? Was it two hundred thousand? And she goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Two hundred thousand. <laughs> then what happened? The same thing. She fell and died. Same thing. She dropped dead and died. Right. Again, who thinks this was harsh?" Yeah, it you sounds think... harsh because they didn't, they really didn't need to, to die. But... <laughs> they didn't need to die, right? Okay, cool. I was just going to say, it sounds harsh. Because, um, like, you know, you know, they, all they did was lie, right? But at the same time, I think it sounds harsh from the context of the grace that we're allowed. Yeah. Um, like, if, if, because I feel like if that was what it was, if, if if the wage like if that because that is kind of fair do you know what i mean it's harsh but it's also fair because there's this concept the wages of sin is death so it's like if god really wanted to wanted it to be like that 
today. It could like it could just be like that. People just be dropping dead left and right. And legally, like you know, biblically, you could just be like, okay, but yeah, this this is what it is. Do you know what I mean? So it's like mm. I think from the context of of the grace that we're afforded, it's harsh. But um, in a way, it's kind of like, yep, that's the law. Do you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I think I think we ha- we find this uncomfortable because we know that we have probably done worse things than this. At least in my in our heads, right in my head, I feel like I've done worse than that. Only given half of my house to, to let's call it charity, right? If you yes, I lied about it, but it feels like I've I've done worse things than that, right? But I'm still here, so it feels it it, it therefore feels uncomfortable because it's like wow, boy, if God treated me like that, then I would be dead too. That's why. That's why it feels harsh. That's why it makes us feel uncomfortable. Here's um, a couple of things to to help us understand why this happened. Right. So number one, um, when we hear about God punishing people in the Bible, we hear about you know there's a lot in the Old Testament. Um, we have this example in the New Testament of you know God meeting out what we what we may call corporal punishment. Right. Um, where it's like, look, you just need to go into this place and just kill everyone where um you know someone needs to like this person needs to die david's baby needs to die um and that's his fire just dropped dead as soon as they tell this lie god himself right cannot um in a way cannot kill or should i say cannot commit murder in the same way that um that i cannot steal my own car right if i lend my car to tyler and I feel Tyler has misused it, and I go take my my uh, my car back, right? I have not stolen my car, right? Because the car belongs to me. I've just taken back what belongs to me. And so, if I feel like Tyler's misused my car, I'm well within my rights to go. You know what? I'm taking my car back, right? And so, in um, the same vein as what Imhotep was saying, God is well within His rights to meet out whatever punishment he feels necessary. Having said that, God we know is a God of love. God we know wouldn't have given Jesus, his son, to die for our sins if at any given point he could just say, oh, well, you've sinned too much now, I'm going to kill you. Right? So there's something around the situation that has led God to have to deal with them in this way. God God sent Jesus to die just for, um, for them like he did for us, like he did for everyone. Right. And so if there was a chance in which Ananias and Sapphira could have been saved, I believe God would have allowed um, them to be saved. He would have given them grace. So in the same way that he allowed certain people, you know, certain nations to be slaughtered, the, the Amalekites or the Amorites or whoever the Israelites were sent to go and destroy in the Old Testament, be it um, this situation, there is an element of their hearts are too hard right? Their hearts are too hard. And what more, what, why God had to do this even more was what we see in verse 11. If someone can read verse 11 again. Chapter 5, verse 11.
Eleven. Oh, one second. Verse 11. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Cool, right? So what does that tell us about, about the story? So everyone that so basically everyone was scared after they heard about what happened. Everyone heard, everyone was scared about um what happened, but let's say it didn't happen, right? Let's say um God didn't kill them. What does it tell us about the community at that point? Like the fact that everyone heard about it, what does that tell us about the community? Say again, what is the fact that everybody heard about it? That that you know, yeah, what is, quite quite um quite close knit and talk travels. They're close knit and talk travels, right? Mm. So it's like if so, so whether they had done this or not, whether God had killed them or not, the news would have spread that Ananias and Sapphira came to give their house, right? They would have known. Same way with um when Luke writes about um. Um, the man um, Joseph, right? Who who was later called Barnabas, and we're going to hear about Barnabas later, right? Who gave his house and laid it at the disciples' feet. The same story would have happened about an Ananias and Sapphira. Everyone would be like, "Oh yeah, Ananias and Sapphira gave the house um, for for the community. That would have been great. That was great, right? Everyone would have heard about that in the same way that they heard about the fact that they died." So what would have happened if someone actually found out that they didn't actually give everything that they said they had given? It would spread it. It would spread, right? Not only would it spread, but people would go, wow. And they got away with it. You know what? Me, when I sell my house, let me just do the same. I'll get all the, all the thanks, all the glory, all the things that they got, but they got to keep some money too. Let me just keep some money. And this um, this thing would have perpetuated. It would have been like, wow, let's just follow Ananias and Sapphira's example. And something so early in the church's um, in the church's story, something like a pothole like this is that could have mashed up the car. God had to make sure that the repair was on quickly and the car could keep moving, because this is something that could have um, mashed up the early church right right then, right. People love off money. People are now hypocritical. And we, we know what, you know, church and hypocrisy is, is almost wedded together these days. Um, and so God had to nip this in the bud straight away. We understand, yeah? Cool, any other questions or are we good to move on? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Let's move on. So, um, we're gonna hit. We're gonna hit our second pothole right now. And this is a different kind of pothole, right? So, um, the first pothole is very internal. It was uh, within the church itself. There was issues. Same way we have issues with church today. Um, there was an issue inside the church. Now this is going to be a bit more external. So, from verse um twelve to verse eighteen, if we could read that. Twelve. Twelve. Um, 
The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared, dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed, passed by. Crowds gathered also from towns and around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and, their, and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Jeremy, carry on. Uh, yeah, I mean, someone else wants to read up to um, 18. Okay. Um, but the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, and they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Cool. All right. So what just happened? So they had um, the sick. There were more believers um, coming and joining them. They brought the sick out so that they might get a bit healed. And um, then they got arrested. Cool, right? So it seems like we we went over a first hole. Uh, God mended it up and did what he needed to do to keep the, keep the, the car going. Car's going again and we've hit another pothole, right? So Peter and the other disciples are preaching, they're healing people, people are actually bringing um, people out onto the streets and they, they almost thought that, pe- that their, their, their shadow would heal them. That's how much they thought that the, the power was rolling with these people, right? They thought, let me just touch his shadow and uh, we could be healed, right? This is what was going on. And because the Pharisees, the Sadducees, we know about these already from John, um, were so enraged about what was happening and the fact that they were having in Jerusalem that they did what? What happened to the apostles? Hello? What happened to them? They got arrested. Right, they got arrested, right? Thrown into prison. It's a common prison, right? Yeah. So this is, um, I, I believe what they mean by that is it wasn't like a Roman prison. It was like um, the, the, the more of a Jewish prison, right? Mm. So they, they're in prison. And then what happens? Let's read from verse, um, verse 19. But during the night... An angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all of the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, uh, they called together the council, all the Senate of the people of Israel and sent them and sent to the prison to have them brought 
But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Cool, let's start there. Right. So they're in prison. The, the apostles are in prison. Probably took stuff. Right, wait. How are we going to preach to everyone um, from in here? Right, we're supposed to share this message. So we're doing really well. You know, the, everyone, you know, we've been converting people. God has been added to the church, but we're all in prison now. Like, how are we going to preach in prison? Um, and as they're chilling in prison, an angel comes and um, takes them out of prison. Now, he takes them out of prison in a way where no one knows they're gone. Because in the morning, the, the, um, the Pharisees say, oh, yeah, go, go get them out of prison. So no one knows that they've left yet, right? And they go, literally go from there. The angel tells them, right, go back into the temple and start preaching again. And literally the disciples were preaching. They get taken away to prison. The angel lets them out and they go straight back to preaching, right? And no one knows where they are at this point. Everyone thinks they're still, still in prison and they're preaching in the temple, right? Cool. Um, and then the, 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 they tell the officers, go to the, the prison and bring them out so we can talk to them. And they don't, they, they, it's like they've vanished out of thin air, right? And they're like, we don't know where they are. Cool. Verse, um, verse 24. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the, captain with, of the, uh, then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But cool. Peter... Right, let's stop there. All right, so what just happened? So the one that's the story as we're reading. So what just happened? Record. So that again? All right, so then Okay. Well, yeah, what happened just now? Yeah, so the they they sent to go and look for them. They went there. Then somebody came and told them, Oh, look, they're preaching. So then uh they went to go and find where they were and basically tried to get them to come along without being um without using force because they were afraid of the mass of the people. Why do you think the disciples went with them? Hmm. It says they went without force, right? So clearly they yeah. are I guess I guess maybe the Holy Spirit told them there's a purpose for them to go with them. Because they could have they could have well decided, okay, now we're gonna stay here and carry on doing our thing, thank you very much. But I think maybe they were convicted in some way that it would it would do more for God. 
for them to go with him, them to stay there doing what they were already doing. Possibly, possibly, yeah. Let me put it this way, right? If if um if you were doing something, say if you were um if you were what's a, what's a jailable offense? Um, if you were stealing from a shop, right? If you're stealing from a shop and you got um and you got caught and you went to jail, and that very night you got broken out of jail and you went back to stealing from a shop. And that same officer came back to you and said, right, let's go, you're going back to jail again. Would you be bothered? Probably not. <laughs> you're not bothered. <laughs> right? This is what faith looks like, right? When you fully trust that God is on your side. They, the officer comes, comes up again and goes, look, we're taking you away. And they're like, bro, you took us away yesterday and we're back here preaching. All right, let's go. We'll be back here tomorrow. It's not an issue. Right, we, it's not. It's, it's it's not even like they question them. How did you get out? What happened? Like we were guarding the thing all night, and suddenly you're here in the morning. Like you vanished. What happened? There's none of that. It was just look. You have to come with us. I'm like yes, yeah, no more. The angel's just gonna let us out again, and we'll be back here preaching tomorrow. No problem. Right. So that's why no force needed. Yeah, let's go, lads. Um, and the guards are clearly happy about it because if they took them by force, as it says. Um, then they were, they were fearing for their own lives. So then what happens? So they, they get taken and then they get brought to where? Yeah, you definitely wouldn't be bothered. Where did they get brought after? Um, after they, they, they leave with the officers, right? Where did they go? Um, they got to meet the council. Got to meet the council, right? right? And straight away, what did the council? What would you ask as the council at this point? Was what was the thought process behind behind going to do the same thing that we convicted you for? <laughs> right, right. Well, like we just told you not to preach in the thing, and we arrested you yesterday. And now you're right back there doing it. But what doesn't crop in their mind is how did they leave the prison? No one wants to ask that question. In fact, it's almost like they're trying to avoid the fact that something miraculous is happening. They don't want to accept it. They don't even want to. Um, they don't even want to say that it happened. They don't want to deal with it. So they just go straight into. Didn't we tell you? Didn't we done tell you not to preach in the streets of Jerusalem? And you're back here at the temple preaching. Right, and they said this interestingly. And they say, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Who they're talking about? Is it Jesus' blood they're talking about? Jesus, right? They're clearly saying, look, the Pharisees went and killed Jesus, um, and the Pharisees don't, or the Sadducees don't want um, don't want the blame, even though they are to blame. They don't want the blame, right? They can't even bring themselves to say Jesus' name. They said this man's right how are you gonna put you intend to bring this man's blood upon us right like you're trying to blame us for killing jesus right okay let's continue verse 29 but peter and the apostles said we must obey god rather than men the god of our fathers raised jesus whom you killed by hanging him on a tree God exalted him at his right hand 
as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Awesome. Right, what are we seeing here? Like we talked about at the start. Kind of like a display of faith? A display of faith, yes, but in terms of their answer, right? We talked mm -hmm. we talked about one of the characteristics of the early church, right? What 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 are we seeing them always talking about? Oh, about um about the crucifixion. Cool, right? Jesus crucified, Jesus resurrected. Um, and that is why we have forgiveness of sins. Jesus crucified, Jesus resurrected, forgiveness of sins. Why is that so powerful? To believe that, especially, I mean, it's powerful for us now, but especially for them in this in their, in their current situation, they're in front of the very men who killed Jesus. Why is that doctrine so powerful when they're answering them? It's because they know they're the ones who actually killed him in the first place. Very much so, right? But why? But why does that make it powerful? But I mean, it, it lays it out in verse um, in verse twenty nine. Is it cause? Um... By them saying we must obey God rather than men, that's to mean that that God told them to do what the what they what they were doing. That's true. God did tell them to do what they were doing. But why have they said like it's almost like they it's like Peter said, look, we've 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 thought about it, we've gone through all the evidence, and we've thought about it, and what's come up is that we're going to actually obey God rather than obey you. Uh, but why would they have had that conclusion given the circumstances? What what have they just witnessed? Um, what is their doctrine based on? On Christ's death and resurrection. Right, Christ was in the very same position. Christ was in the very same, he was in front of the council, clearly in, in slightly more um, dodgy circumstances that night, you know, X, Y, Z. But Christ was in the very same position, getting judged by the council, and yet he, and, and they killed him. And yet he still rose again, and now he's sitting on the right hand of, G, um, of God, right? And their doctrine is all about, we can take on what Christ did for ourselves. We can take on his death, and his resurrection, and will be resurrected with Christ um, when he comes again, right? That's the whole, that's the whole, um, that's the whole message, that's the whole doctrine. And so if you're telling them, look, we're going to kill you if you, if you don't stop doing this, they're like, well, yeah, that's hard. Like, you just did that to Jesus, and look where he is. I'm, I'm quite happy for you to do that, and for the same thing to happen to me.
right? This is the whole purpose of their doctrine. And so they've sussed it out. They're like, you know what? I'm happy. I'm happy. Like, we've met, like we've, we've worked it out. We've looked at the evidence and it's probably better that we obey God rather than you at this point. You have no power. That's basically what they're saying. You have no power. Yeah? And then Peter again goes through this thing of, um, you know, you put Jesus on a tree and yet God exalted him, right? And now we have forgiveness of sins and we get to have that same experience through the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, let's, let's continue. Um, verse 33. Acts chapter 5. Um, 33. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But the Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood, stood up in the San, Sanhedrin and ordered that they, the men put aside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin and men of Israel consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thirdus appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. His followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. Cool, right? So Gam Gamamiel, right, is, a, um, is loosely related to Paul. I think either he was his prodigy or... He knew Paul or something like that. So there, there's a link between Paul and Gabriel, right? Um, and he stands up within the council and he says, look, we need, to, we need to be careful with these guys. Maybe he's just clocked. Wait a minute. They left that prison without anybody knowing. Maybe God is actually on their side. Maybe he's having a kind of revelation like that. Maybe he's thinking, let's be careful, right? So he says... We need to be careful about what we do to these people. Remember that guy who rose up in those days, Thaddeus, and he was boasting about himself and he was telling everyone that he was the Messiah because there had been previous messiahs to Jesus before Jesus came that told people that they were the one who was going to free them from the Romans and they got followers, etc. right? So Thaddeus is one of these guys. Um, and he was boasting about himself and, you know, hundreds of men followed him um, and they joined themselves to him, but then he died and the people were scattered, and nothing came of it, right? Let's continue, verse 37. After him... Sorry, sorry what? Verse 37, yeah. Okay. After him... Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too, he too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even find be found opposing God. So they took his advice. 
And when they had, oh, so, sorry, go on. Okay, so yeah, great. So what just happened? What was it? What was what did what did, what was um, Gavin Mills' message? Didn't he basically say, if I was you guys, I wouldn't mess with these guys? He did say that, right? But why, what was his reasoning? So you might even be found opposing God. Is that maybe to say that these false guys might be so compelling that they might make you... Okay, so what, what he was saying, right, is he was saying, Thaddeus, remember Thaddeus? Remember when he had his whole revolution and he got hundreds of people to follow him and then he died and nothing happened, right? And then this next guy, Judas, when the Romans brought out that taxation and the hundreds of them went into the wilderness and they followed this guy and then he died and then nothing happened. And so he's saying, if, if these guys are the same as those guys, then, you know, eventually something bad will happen to them and they'll scatter and nothing will happen with it. But if they're not like that and God is actually with them and these people are actually for real, then best we don't, you know, actually fight against God. So either way, if we do nothing, either way, God's purposes will be realised is what this guy's saying. So I wouldn't touch them for that reason because you either are going to insert yourself where they're going to just dissipate anyway or you know you're actually going to be fighting against god which you don't want to be doing that's what his argument was and they all went yeah yeah that's fair enough what i don't understand is where was gavin mill when jesus was being tried i don't understand this guy pulls up now a few months after jesus is being tried this argument would have been beautiful jesus would have still been alive etc etc although he needed to die for obvious reasons um, and you know, maybe that's why Gavin Mill had a day off sick that day or whatever. Um, but yeah, he gives us this argument, they all agree begrudgingly, and they let the people go, but not without a beating, right? So they beat them first and then they let them go, right? So, um, let's continue reading. Does, uh, does everyone get what Gavin Mill's point was? Some confirmation, yes or no? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah? Do you want me to explain it again or are you good? Just like a brief, if I just try to say what I got from it. Yeah, okay, okay. So, like, he's trying to say that these people have come before, and what's happened is they get a lot of people to follow them, then they die, and the thing scatters. So, and if it's if it's the real deal, then it can't be, then you might, you can't, you won't be able to overthrow it. Okay, now maybe I'm not. Yeah, 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 right. So if they're false, then they, you know, they will die anyway. So it doesn't really matter. We don't really need to get involved if they're not real. And if they are real, then they're real. You know what I mean? Like, why are we fighting against them if they're real, right? So either way, like, we just leave them to their business. If they're real, then they'll continue to do what they're doing. If they're not, then they'll dissipate, right? We get that, yeah? 
And so let's just not get let's not, let's not tie ourselves up with this because the risk is that they are real and we're fighting against God. Yeah, got you. Yeah, cool. All right. There, there's an important point in Gamma's point. That's why um, I want us to get that. We'll cover. We'll hear um, as we finish the chapter. Um, and so let's read from. Let's finish up. Let's read from verse forty. Forty. Yeah. Okay. One second. Forty. His speech persuaded. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the council rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace in the, for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts, and from the house, from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah. Cool, right? So the council agrees. They let them go, but with a beating. And then, funnily enough, again they say, "But if we're letting you go, don't preach about Jesus anymore." The disciples are like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, we've had that before." Um, and then they let them go, right? And literally, um, they went straight back. It says they rejoiced at their suffering. So after they got beaten, they walked down there like, yes, we got beaten for Jesus. Imagine that. Imagine you got beat up, you've been in jail, you know, the, the government hates you, and you walk away like, yes, got a beating for Jesus. That's what that's the, that's what the, the Holy Spirit with the disciples are at this point, right? And then the next day they go straight back into the temple, um, and it says they cease not to teach and preach to um, Jesus Christ. And so they just went and they continued, right? And this is the point about the these potholes when it comes to the early church, right? And these are these are like the first two. There are many that come throughout Acts, right? But this is the point. Potholes come, and yet God patches them up and they carry on driving. That is the story of Acts. The message of Jesus will not be stopped. And so, you know, we, we're in a church context, you know, certain things happen, certain bad things happen, um, you know, all sorts of things happen with the conference, all things that happen at a local church level, all, things, all types of things could happen even within our youth group. And... Yet, God is saying, regardless of what the issue is, um, the message will still move forward. I will still be with you, and we're still going to get this thing done, right? Regardless of the issues, be it a, a hypocrisy in the church and, you know, um, someone's faking to be what they, um, something that they are not, right? Um, be it persecution outside the church, be it whatever it could be, and all the other things that we're going to read in Acts uh, over the next few weeks, the church and the message will still move forward. Um, and we have faith that God will continue and finish his work, basically. doesn't matter what it is. So don't lose heart in God just because you see certain bad things happen. Don't lose heart in the message. Don't lose heart in ministry just because you see certain potholes. 
because tires can be changed and the message will still continue. And that's, and really that is what Gamma Mill's point was. If it's true, if God is really in it, then it won't dissipate like these other fake messiahs that were out there. Things will move forward. So yeah, that's it for today. Is there any other, um, any other points around this chapter? Any other questions? No. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. I think a question I've often asked, um, kind of thinking around Acts and the early church, um, is what was maybe not the measure, but you know, just how genuine were these guys? Yeah. And I say this not so much thinking about twelve apostles as much as as the church is getting broader and broader now. And really powerful things are happening. Sometimes it seems like really irreconcilable to what church looks like today and just how much is, you know, uh, formalistic and traditional and just how much is like a subcultural way of doing things, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. And it seems like, okay, these guys are closer to the events themselves, closer to the truth themselves. So, you know, this is so fiery and it's easy to compare and to say, yeah, that we cannot achieve the same thing today or it just seems so ridiculous to be able to. Whereas I'm thinking about um, this point that Gamaliel has made about if they actually, if it's God's purposes, it won't be stopped. And I had a friend tell me this week, you know, it's not about, uh, <laughs> it's interesting the way he put it. He said, it's not about doing everything right because we couldn't. But almost the right thing, if that makes sense. And uh, another friend who, in our ministry that we do in Northampton, mentioned something about when, when you're talking to people and more time, I do it sometimes, you know, you guys know me, I've got the gift of the gab or the gift of the waffle sometimes. But <laughs> when it comes down to speaking to people and sometimes not knowing what to say, and still being able to say something that engages with them and not really remembering what it was or remembering where it came from. He said, that can be the Holy Spirit as well. It's not always from an amazing vote of confidence. It's not a something from, you know, that you hear yourself and you're like, wow, did I just say that? That is the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it really is in our foolishness. And you've got to wonder for Gamaliel now, is he kind of speaking and just kind of clearing his throat and saying something that he didn't realize just how wise it was? Or is this something where even you know, these Pharisees in the belly of the beast, as it were, is he proving Paul's point where Paul talks about how zealous um, as a movement, the Pharisees were, how zealous the, the Jews were as a people, but it wasn't always according to knowledge. And yet this time it actually comes across as really wise and comes like he knows what he's talking about. Mm. For sure, for sure, thanks. Um, was there any, anyone else? Was it was it Imhotep that um, unmuted? I didn't have much. Um, I didn't really have anything more to say. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, um, yeah. If no one else has any points, we can um, we can pray to close.
Um, do you want to face close? Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for bringing us all here today throughout this whole week. You've been with us and I just want to thank you for guiding us here to hear a word from you today. I just want to ask that you will um, continue to bless us and help us to take this message and just spend the rest of the day just thinking about it and applying it in our lives later on in the week. I just want to thank you for blessing Reese with this message to give to us and thank you for bringing us here again all together just to hear some of your word and discuss these, these topics. I ask that you will continue to be with us for the rest of the day and for the rest of the week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Amen.